And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I don't even know where to begin. All right, so Dallas has a top-heavy roster, and I wrote down all the highest-paid players by cap hit this year. Dak, imperfect, but I wouldn't blame him for the loss. The turnover's got to stop. Amari struggled a little bit at the end there uh, with that route, but I don't blame him. Zika Elliott, game-changing fumble. Demarcus Lawrence, Everson Griffin combined for zero sacks mm. and zero hits. Mm. Uh, Zach Martin, you're cool. Tyron Crawford uh, got manhandled at the line of mm. scrimmage. You saw what they did in the run. Jalen Smith, where to begin with Jalen Smith? The missed tackles, the penalties. I mean, this is about the Joneses. You put this roster together. You decided to pay Jalen Smith and Ezekiel Elliott instead of Byron Jones and Dak Prescott. This ultimately falls to you. This is a poorly constructed team. They are not executing well, but it starts at the top. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Will the Cowboys do it? Can they win a game against their former coach, Jason Football Garrett, and salvage their season? Or will they fall three games below 500 and all but kiss 2020 goodbye? We'll find out on Sunday at 325 on Fox. But for now, it's time to preview it all with The Athletic. Speaking of The Athletic, are you listening to the show ad-free on our app right now? If you are, good for you. But if you're not, it's not too late to sign up for a dollar over at theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Again, that's theathletic.com slash about them cowboys to sign up for only a dollar. So get on it. But now it's time to talk some Cowboys Giants, maybe wrap up some things from Cowboys Browns. And to do so, we are welcoming in the Athletics, Father John Mashoda and Old Grey Wolf Mike Reiner, plus the Eagles, Kevin KT Fun Tweets Turner. Kevin, a lot to talk about just with the Giants, Jason Garrett, but we've got a little bit of fallout from last week to uh, start things off. Yeah, so like after after the games, you go, uh, hey, uh, well, that was a real bad game. Well, we got our ass kicked. And then uh, I, I sometimes find that two days later, I, I feel differently about it. This time, I don't feel any differently about it. <laughs> I think we might be on the brink of having a really bad team. Uh, where are you at, John, after a couple days of uh, just kind of reflecting on the massacre on Sunday? Yeah, it's worse. It really is. I oh, thought it was no. really bad on Sunday. I think it's I think it's worse, <laughs> seriously, watching that all twenty two of that. And then there's been several other um I mean, I probably spend too much time on Twitter, so I see all these, you know, former players and NFL experts breaking down uh the tape too. And I mean, you know, I I listen to Troy Aikman uh when he's on in the morning uh, on the ticket on Tuesdays and you know, I mean he was talking about how he would be embarrassed if he put that type of effort out on on, on tape and uh, there's just a lot of people that uh, are certainly experts in this field that have been just as critical as everybody else has been. And um, yeah, I, maybe it hasn't been worse, but it's just as bad. I mean, there's nothing about that in, in the few days that I've followed that makes me think, ah, maybe we overlooked this. Maybe we're being a little too hard on this team. Like it looks, 
like, let's put it this way. It looks like it should never get any worse than it is. So that kind of leads me to think, okay, but what if it does? Like, what if this weekend against the Giants and Jason Garrett, they lose to that team? I guess that's then the new rock bottom. But, But what I saw this past Sunday, that should be rock bottom, and it should be nothing but up from here. Mike, we haven't had you on since week one. Curious about your uh, first month of Cowboys football watching. <laughs> Where are you at on this deal right now? Well, after a month of Cowboy football watching, there is only one conclusion I can come to, and that, that is that this team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Royally. Uh, do we have to pay you a royalty to use that on the air? Or? No, no, it's yours for the taking. <laughs> it's everybody's for the taking. People, if I've started charging royalties with that 25 years ago, I'd be rich as hell right now. Uh, man. But, you know, like you guys, I watched the game and I thought, okay, that was really bad, but let's give it a couple days. Let it sit and see what happens. So I did. And after letting it sit, I determined that it was worse than I originally thought. I mean, there's there there were things that happened in that game that there is just no excuse for. And there's no rhyme or reason or way a good football team lets that stuff happen to them. That that had some like elements of the the old Wade Phillips game in Green Bay. You know, where it looked like the defense quit and Wade Phillips ended up getting fired and Jason Garrett took the job. Their effort was a problem. And I know McCarthy came up and said that it wasn't. And his whole thing is, oh, I'm going to be direct with the guys, but effort's not a problem. And you got to be careful when you talk about pro football players and effort. I understand what he's doing. But, like, dude, we all watched the game. Like, we all saw what happened. Like, there was some poor effort happening. Plus, you got your ass kicked by maybe the best offensive line in the league in Cleveland. My goodness. It shouldn't have taken the Browns whooping up on America's team for the world to be like, man, the Browns have the best offensive line in the league now. It sure ain't the Cowboys' offensive line anymore. It's not that anymore. So, like, I mean, I don't know. I I, I tried to be, like, fair about it, but I'm, I'm with you, John. After about 48, 72 hours, I'm sitting around going, are we going to lose on Sunday to the Giants? I mean, the Giants are so bad. But my head's in a lot of spaces, and I think there's a lot of mixed messages and locker room stuff going on. And there was locker room stuff going on at the end of last year, and now we would know way less about it because, John, guys like you aren't allowed to go go in there right now. And they're, and they're, it's probably a good thing, really. But, dude, after two weeks when Jalen Smith popped off about the scheme being a problem, it's like, well, wait, hold on. It's a whole new scheme. Like, can we at least try to get it right? That tells me there's not a lot of buy-in going in, uh, going on from your defensive play caller. Right, right. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, in previous years under Jason Garrett, like, you really never had to question the effort. That was at least always there. You never knew it was – I mean, you never thought it was going to be, like, an elite defense. You, you know, you could just tell by the investments that they've made on that side of the ball, whether it's free agency or the draft. Like, you knew it wasn't going to be elite. But they always – for the most part, they played with really good effort. We're kind of a scrappy group, and, you know, you didn't expect them to win you any games, but they probably wouldn't lose you any. I mean, they were big on, like, keeping plays in front of them, not giving up the big play, whatever. So you thought that maybe some of that would at least carry over, and then you're not even seeing that, and then on top of it, you're still not getting the turnovers that you were hoping that by making the defense more multiple, you're going to get more of those, and 
frankly, you haven't even been close to getting more of those. So uh, I guess it just, I guess I just ask guys this, like, how could it get any worse? Like, how does it look any worse than it did on Sunday? Yeah. Let me, good point. Let me address what McCarthy said after the game. McCarthy is a, he's not a new coach in the league by any stretch of the imagination, but he hasn't been with these guys very long. He hasn't had nearly the time with them that he would in a normal year. And it's probably not completely out of the question. And maybe you can address this, John, but it's probably not completely out of the question to say that they're still in the realm of, well, they don't really know him and he doesn't really know them. So I don't think there was any way he was going to come in there to the media and, you know, hang those guys out to dry. You know, he pretty much took the hit for it and okay. I would, I wouldn't have expected anything more out of him. Yeah. But on the point of the effort, oh my gosh, it it was, it really was amazing. And it did bring back, it did conjure up some really, really bad memories. And this is pretty early in the season guys for that to start happening. Yeah. That's the thing too, is like, it is early in the season. And I know that, you know, like I said, I've seen people on social media talk about like firing the coaching staff and that like, that's another part that this can get a lot worse. And I really don't see the coaching staff changing. Like they're not going to sit there mid season and then get rid of Mike McCarthy. I really think at minimum, this thing could be a complete dumpster fire all the way through. Mike McCarthy is still going to be their coach next year. Like I, I just don't, I don't think they're getting rid of him after just half a season or even just one season. I mean, uh, I think that you're going to give him, and now you might, change some coordinators or something like that, maybe change some of your defensive coaches. But like Mike McCarthy's not going anywhere. So anybody that's saying that, like today he was on, uh, he did his conference call. So with the New York media and he was asked about, um, I think the exact words were if, if he's feeling the heat, I believe is what they said. They asked him, it was the very last question that they had with him. It was like, are you already feeling, I want to say it was the heat. Let me make sure I just bring this up. I want to make Hot sure I seat or something. Yeah. So are you feeling, are you feeling any heat after a slow start with the Cowboys and his response, which I mean, you can't get any shorter and this is the shortest response I've ever, I've ever heard him give to a question. He just says, I'm just focused on beating the Giants. That's all he said. I'm just focused on beating the Giants. That was it. And that was the Wait, last question. Wait, hold on. You, that, was a Jason, that was Jason Garrett. I think, do you, do you have a uh, Mike McCarthy's quote? Oh, let me look. Nope. Yes. That's Mike McCarthy. Just trying yes. to be, I'm just pr- trying to be the best version of myself every day. Just trying to get right. through today. Right. And I don't know what else you say to that really, yeah. but it is interesting that like, you know, the New York media is already asking him about that, which they're very familiar with their two football teams uh, of not very good football play for a while and what looks to be well into the future. So they would be experts on that. So that, it was interesting. They asked that question, but yeah, he's not going anywhere. So uh, they're going to, he's going to be part of the digging out of this hole. They're not going to all of a sudden just get a new coach in here. And and frankly, I don't know with the effort that you saw on Sunday, I don't know who you would go out there to try and get some quick fix with anyway. That just, that's not how it works in the NFL. Yeah. The New York teams are zero and eight and Mike brings up a really, really great point that I hadn't thought about. That would be super tense after four games and like two and a half weeks of training camp practices to like go out there and be like, well, they didn't try their hardest. Uh, you know, they didn't really look like they were trying very hard. So you talk to them about it. Like that would have created some tension. It is. <laughs> I didn't really think about that, but that would have been pretty wild. 
Uh, if he wants to lose the room, that'd be a really quick way to do it. And is is the room an issue though? I mean, I I wonder if the room's an issue on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I I really really like Demarcus Lawrence, um, and I know that they're paying him to be a game changing type of guy, and he's not doing that. And I I but I th- I think he's a guy that could kind of you know have some of those uh, you know that leadership type qualities and things like that. You know, Jalen Smith has looked at to a lot of people as. I mean, the lead, one of the leaders on defense, and he did get paid like that, and he's the play caller on defense. I just wonder if there's a, there's a lot of guys looking around going, why'd they pay him so early? And are people buying that? I'm not I, – I don't know. I'm just, oh, I don't I, think there's I, any I question. I don't think there's anybody that looks at anybody on, the, on that defense right now and says, this, right, this guy right here is without a doubt the unquestioned leader of this defense. Now – I know Demarcus Lawrence and Jalen Smith appear to be that, but I don't know that every single player necessarily feels that way. But, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we're not going in the locker room like we used to. So what we t- who we talk to are a lot of, like, who they're making available. And so you, you only get so much. And, again, these guys are on conference calls. They're not just sitting there talking to one or two people at their locker like we could get in, in previous years. So, um, yeah, leadership obviously has to come in question. There has to be – you know, someone in there that it can't just be the, on the coaches, like the players have to step up. And that's the thing, too. When you look at a lot of the criticism that this team got for the way they played on Sunday, there was a lot of stuff where, yeah, you can blame scheme to a certain extent. But there's also, you know, leadership amongst players needs to step up. And and maybe that happened on Monday and, and when they reviewed the game on film. Maybe that's why DeMarcus Lawrence spoke up the way he did after the game and say this shit is soft. Maybe that's why that happened is because he wanted to, you know, be the vocal leader that he has been in the past. But the problem is that maybe, maybe some guys don't look towards him like that because he hasn't gotten the production in the sack numbers that so many people look at. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure a hundred percent of what that is, but they're in a tough spot right now. And I just don't see them all of a sudden, you know, snap of the fingers. Wow. We had three good practices this week. Here we go. And then all of a sudden their defense is fixed. Like this doesn't get turned around like that. And if there's anything that can help, it is playing the giants. Um, you know whether uh, or whether it's fair or not. Uh, one guy that's in the crosshairs of Cowboys fans is the defensive coordinator Mike Nolan. Kent, you've uh, rattled off some audio for us because you're a beast. Yeah. Um, what do you got from Mike Nolan here? Yeah. So, you know, this word effort has been the main, I guess, buzzword this week following this game. And Mike Nolan was asked point blank about the lack of effort in the game, and uh, here's what he had to say. Look, there's been no effort issues, in my opinion. I think the effort's been good. The, the, the issue that we had yesterday was more technique-wise, in my opinion. Uh, and when one technique breaks down for one player, obviously it, it affects another player next to him. And, uh, and we did not, you know, we didn't play very well, obviously. I'm not skirting the issue at all. We played very poorly. That's just, I mean, uh, I hope we don't have to live through another one of those. Um, but if we don't get things corrected, it could happen. But but I, I believe that we'll get those things corrected. The guys will see the urgency and what we're doing, and uh, and we'll bounce back. John, what's the quote he has about Jalen Smith? Okay, so Jalen Smith, that's another one. I mean, he is um, not very liked amongst the Cowboys fan base on social media. And so, uh, you know, I mean, he's been hearing it from everybody. He's been uh, one of the major players being criticized after this game. Uh, when we talk about be, not being in position, a lack of effort, things like that, p- particularly on the last touchdown the Browns scored on the end around with 
Odell Beckham where Jalen's on the other side of the field and it doesn't look like he's giving it max effort until he realizes, oh, uh, none of my other teammates are going to tackle Odell Beckham. So I guess I got to run over there and do that. And so um, he just hasn't been the playmaker that one, what he's supposed to be paid to do, but then two, and probably more importantly, he's very clear that he loves saying he's the quarterback of the defense. And so he's taking on the mantle that he's a leader of this defense. And so that needs to be the last guy that is having communication problems, effort issues, and so on. So when Mike Nolan's asked about him, Mike Nolan goes, this is the honest truth. I don't know why Jalen takes the criticism that he does. And at that point, before I even said anything else, I immediately got my phone to start tweeting because I knew that this was going to be a big hit. So um, he went on to then explain their grading system, which it was interesting that he did this because they've been kind of secretive about all that behind the scenes stuff about how they're grading players and things like that. So in his answer about Jalen, he starts breaking down how they grade their players. And he says that they're graded on winning effort, losing effort, or just did your job. And he said that Jalen thus far has, hasn't had a game out of these four where he didn't do his job. He said that all of his games have been a do your job or a little better. So there's, and I would say zero. So what he's saying is in the Cleveland game was not a losing effort. He got a, he got a correct. He got to do your job a, for he that. He did game. his job for that game. Okay. What the hell kind I, of first I, I, I thought his job was, was to make tackles when uh, the game's on the line. I that's and what that, I thought. I, I, and he makes how much money? And that's the, that's the next part is like, so how much money he makes what, the being a leader on a team, like is do your job. Hey, I did my job guys. I did my job. I'm going to go get myself. I'll see you later. Like, is that enough? Like, I understand what Mike Nolan was saying was he was trying to make the argument that like, it's not like he's been bad in any of these games, but I think on the outside, people look at it as okay, but we need him to be better than that. I mean, he's supposed to be the leader of this. He's getting $12 million, whatever it is a year. Like we need more than just do your job. He's making star money and playing at a do your job level. That don't add up at, at best. So, yeah, I'm really concerned about the first grade grading system that they're going with there. Like, you get a gold star? <laughs> what the hell is that? A do your job, good or bad? That's real strange. Uh, I have Jalen's number here. Uh, here. It's six years, $68 million, so about 35 guaranteed. So, you know, I think we all – I don't know if we all agree. I think uh, that Jalen was signed as like a – Almost like an intimidation thing for Zeke. Kind of like, oh, if you want to be here and not hold out, we'll get deals done with people. Maybe they were going to pay Jalen all along. There's no reason to give that contract to Jalen yet. But, you know, if I'm going to – I I kill him for not doing deals early sometimes for other things. So I'm Let gonna, me also say this. I mean, rewind back to that. That's before last season even started. Like, they were, there was still a lot of hope on that, that, that as Jason Garrett would say, arrow going up. And it hasn't yeah. gone up. If at the very highest praise you could possibly give, it would be that it's stayed the same. But I think you could make the argument that it's gone down. When I talk to people about Jalen Smith, why is it that every single time it always comes back to, man, remember that tackle he made against Deshaun Watson right before halftime in that Houston? I'm just like, how long ago was that? Like, that's that seems like just ages ago. And so that's the problem too. So when they gave him that contract, they were of the belief that like they hadn't gotten his best ball yet. Okay. 
while we're on that, uh, can we play the clip from Daniel Jeremiah? Because this one's jumped out to me. Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network is like super fair guy. Like he's not, uh, for what I know about him, he's not trying to be hot take, you know, get clicks guy. He's like, hey, I just tell it like it is. Uh, and of all is- those guys that do the evaluations, I personally, like I know that there's a lot of people out there that listen to this. You probably follow a ton of guys, especially when it comes to draft time. I wouldn't put anybody higher than Daniel Jeremiah or, yes. or Dane, Bru- or Dane Bruegel. Those, those, are, are, the, that's those are the two those elite the, of the elite. It, that and, and Lance Zerline, who's now uh, on our Prospects yeah, that's Pro a, show. That's with, a good one too. Yeah. Those are the three. And yep. as many people as I've talked to doing the draft show for <laughs> – covering the draft for almost a decade those are the three names you know and so yeah daniel jeremiah kind of knows what he's talking about so yeah so in this clip he's kind of breaking down film but don't like worry about trying to see the film like just listen to him uh he goes in pretty hard on the cowboys defense especially jalen smith i'm blown away with the t- what jalen smith is saying about needing to simplify let, let me show you some examples of what's going wrong with the dallas cowboys and these plays have nothing to do with alignment or scheme jalen smith on the backside. i tweeted this out and asked if he's hurt because he's moving right now like he's got a piano on his back with absolutely no effort from the backside whatsoever and then how about this call you got a defensive coordinator he dials up a little corner blitz here from the short side of the field hey we hit the jackpot they're gonna run right into the blitz this is a tackle for loss Except Daryl Worley doesn't even look at the running back, runs right right by him on the way to Baker Mayfield, showing absolutely no awareness and no instincts. You can't dial it up any better than this to get a tackle for loss. And here you end up getting an explosive play. At least give him credit. He showed some effort to turn around, get on his horse, and go make the tackle. But this is an effort issue, and this is a lack of talent issue. Don't tell me about this is way too complicated, because those are simple, simple mistakes. An effort should never be excused. That was a horrible effort by the Dallas Cowboys defense in this game. To give up 300 yards, you got to earn it, and they did. Yeah, at one point in that clip, he said that Jalen had a piano on his back. And that's where I'm kind of going. Are we confusing effort with how fast Jalen actually goes now? Like, is that just his top speed now? Like, I'm, I'm really trying not to be a dick. Like, Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think it's a, a valid question at this point with what we've seen on tape and what we know about Jalen's injury history to say is he a liability out there can he just not does he just not have the speed that he needs at times you know and um, well, he has, can he, he has admit that he's only 75% of what he needs to be you know he's he he definitely shows limitations in in several areas one that always stands out to me is he has a very hard time getting off blocks and that's okay. So maybe you can overcome some of that. Maybe you can overcome some other things um, to just be a, a, a you know a, a good effort player that is just a solid leader that puts guys in the right spots. But then on top of that, he you know he has that play that it's it's fourteen to seven. You know the Cowboys take the lead and 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 the Browns get the ball back and they have a couple penalties. They're in first and twenty, and 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 Baker Mayfield dumps it down to what should just be like maybe. A three, four yard gain. Donovan Wilson makes a tackle, and here comes Jalen flying in and just rips at, at the tight end. I think it was Austin Hooper's face mask, and then boom, fifteen yards. Here we go. Browns answer right back, and then they're off and running. Like just like uh, the the leader of that defense, that guy can't be making those type of mistakes. Like I mean, that just it, that cannot happen. Did he swipe after the face mask? The the I will say that he has not swiped <laughs> at all this season, other than before. He's the done game it like one time. The, 
I think he um, did it. I think he did it once, and he got criticized for it. And I think after the game, he he said he was asked about it and said he does it to hype up his teammates, not to hype. Yeah, up no. Himself. Yeah, oh yeah, believe me, I've heard this. Uh, I don't several, believe that either. I think thousand times, kind of doing um, your trademark. But it's the reason he made yeah. it his logo. It's kind of gone away for for the most part. We don't see it as much anymore. But we haven't seen many big plays either. Okay, do you realize what we're saying here? We're talking about a guy who might be hurt. Certainly, there's question about effort. So if he's hurt, and maybe he can't put forth effort because he's hurt, or maybe for whatever reason the effort is not there and he's hurt, what's he doing out there? And if not him, then who? Where do they go? That's a good question, and it makes me wonder, is he still on the field if Sean Lee was healthy? Is he still on the field if Leighton Vander Esch was healthy? They're kind of forced yeah. in a spot where they have to play him and Joe Thomas. But all I heard last year was how much they loved Luke Gifford till Luke Gifford got hurt. I know it's not a household yeah. name, but they loved him. Why isn't he getting a, getting a shot? You know, what, and what I'm saying, maybe they are just trying to buy time till and Leighton and Vander Esch is back and Sean Lee uh, is back. But Jerry's going to back for Jalen, going to back for Jalen and Will. Uh, always has and always will. I'll never forget, and we've done that. We've talked about this before, but that combine in 2016, Kent, you were there. We were there with the with the draft show uh, for the Cowboys, and we bumped into this medical uh, person. I don't know if it was a team doctor or not. It was a medical person, and he worked for a team. And he said, and we were talking about Jalen Smith. And he goes, "Oh, he will not be on our board. We only think there's a twenty percent chance he'll ever play in the NFL." So if one team thinks it's that unlikely that he'll ever play in the NFL, and one team who did do the surgery on his knee is like, we'll take him in the second round, it tells you they're going to give this guy as many shots as they can when reasonable teams are like, you know what, we're not going to draft him because we don't feel like this thing's going to get better. I mean, it's... Yeah, and I do remember that was the word on him back then around the draft, that there were were medical issues that scared a, a whole bunch of teams off. In fact... I thought the Cowboys would stay away from him. And I was kind of shocked that they didn't. But you know what it makes me wonder is, like, do they draft him if Dr. Cooper, who is their team physician, didn't do the surgery? I think because they had him do the, he did the surgery for, for Jalen Smith, I think they felt like they had the inside track on, hey, a lot of these other teams don't think that he can make it back, but we actually have the, the surgeon that did this operation and so we know that there's this amount of chance that yeah, even if he doesn't get back to 100%, maybe we think there's a good chance he gets back to 90, 95%, and that'll be good enough like for him to be an elite player. And certainly after he is on in their building for two years, they certainly feel like they're seeing this come to fruition. That's why they then in turn give him a contract extension because they wouldn't have done that if they were like, oh, this is never going to get close. They They clearly had to be cleared by the medical staff that, hey, this has gotten better and this will continue to get better or you just don't give that contract. I mean, sure. Jerry, I, Tuesday morning, I, the, he, call, he called it courageous, the effort that Jalen's given. He he said that that it's been what? a courageous performance so far oh my from Jalen Smith. Okay. Not a freaking for, uh, does, does courageous story. get you anything in this league? <laughs> Good God. And, and then he went out and used basically what Mike Nolan's grading thing is because Jerry does go to these meetings when they assess these uh, performances on Mondays, and and he used the same thing that Mike Nolan said, and he said that you know we've lost some games, but Jalen hasn't had a losing effort, and without question, he has the talent to be a middle linebacker on a championship team. So everybody in the building seems to be bought in on him, 
And it seems like everybody that covers the team and that watches these games from the outside are like, why, why are they, why are they protecting him? Like, is there something we don't know? Like, why are they doing this? And my only, my only answer is that they don't have any other options. I wonder if they're, they're protecting him because not everyone has bought in on him. Yeah. And they know what the perception is about him, but courageous. Give him a freaking purple heart. What do you, I mean, look, I would get. Courageous like, I mean, to, to get, show up and make seventy million and we play football in the NFL. That takes courage. Do, do, do I, I we have? Do it. I, I'm a Will McClay fan, and I'm a I'm a fan of the draft they just had. But do we have a G? Well, obviously a GM problem, but like a, a drafting players problem. Because if you watch Tristan Hill, he got his ass run up and down the field the other day. I mean, he was just getting pushed back. Well, they have, a, they have a drafting defensive players problem. I don't think that there's any problems with who they've drafted on offense. I mean, I can tell you right now that defense looks terrible and I don't think it's going to be good by the end of the season. And I still am taking CD lamb where they drafted him at. That is a no brainer pick there. That is a home run. I have seen nothing from him to think anything other than he's going to be a superstar. Uh, so that's been a home run. They found their franchise quarterback in the fourth round. They found all these offensive linemen. They've they've found success on the offense. It's the defensive side where you just keep looking at all these and you're just like, yeah, that guy didn't work. That that, that one didn't work out. Yeah, no, that one's ooh. like right, who's but, the best but, defensive draft pick they have? You got to go back to Demarcus Lawrence, really. But take CD out of that mix that you just talked about. And all mm-hmm. those guys were a few years ago. They yeah. haven't had much success since then. Well, that's because I think that that's because they've been going try, trying to address the defense with Taco, Layton, Tristan Hill with the high picks, and none of those. Cheeto, yeah, Cheeto, right? But it, but when they've went offense, that's that's when they've. Oh yeah, they get dropped offense success. like crazy. Yeah, it is interesting though that like they they haven't been able to find like because I'll just use I'll use a I'll use a good example here because everybody will listen to this and be like oh yeah first round pick first round pick I'll give you a third round example. Let, on one hand, you can compare a third round pick in Jordan Lewis, who I think at times is solid. And then you look at a third round pick they took at wide receiver in Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is is probably not going to be with the Cowboys in a couple of years because some team's going to come in there and pay him a lot of money. So um, it, it goes beyond just the first round. Yeah, I was going to be careful about that because draft picks, you can like, you know, just pick pick one. You can play the whole game of that, you know. But like, I, you know, one thing too, I got to ask you too. Is Connor McGovern because the offensive line it's helped Joe Looney's out for two or three weeks um, with the with the MCO with the knee sprain. Is Connor McGovern a living breathing human? I mean, he was a third round pick, and I remember Garrett saying he's the best guy on our board. I mean, his name just lit up. I mean, we couldn't believe Connor McGovern was there in the third round. Is he still alive? I've not ever seen that person, and on, it'd be I'm just nice at... to know we had some more offensive line depth. Oh, I'm looking at my Neville roster. Gallimore too. Remember him? My roster from taking roll today. Remember that yeah, he was there. He was he was there today. Um, that one was interesting. Brian brought us, good friend of the show. Uh, asked Stephen about you know what happened there. Why this was about a week ago on the fan about what happened to Connor McGovern. Like how come he doesn't play? And Stephen's answer was about well you know technically he's he's still kind of a rookie because he redshirted all of the previous season. The problem with that is. Um, well, you did start Terrence Steele multiple games at right tackle, and he's an undrafted rookie free agent. Absolutely had no time, <laughs> had no presence in anything, and you were willing to put him out there. So I understand what he was saying in that, you know, there's more experience needed there. But, uh, yeah, I'm very surprised that Connor McGovern hasn't seen the field at all with a banged-up offensive line. I certainly would think a guy that they had 
a second round grade on, I believe that he could fit in there somewhere on an offensive line that's banged up. And that has not been the case, but yes, to answer your question, KT, he was at practice today. On the subject of Connors, one of the biggest surprises for me with this team this year is that we haven't heard the name of Connor Williams hardly at all, which means he's playing pretty well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wonder if that's a thing too, or Connor Williams, I thought he would have been a candidate to go play tackle. I I just he he did it in college and I just thought that would have been a smooth transition. And they drafted the center from Wisconsin, uh, Tyler uh Biotish. So I was sitting there going like it makes a lot of sense. Looney's comfortable at guard to just move Connor Williams to right tackle. Can you imagine like, if we talked about this before the season started and I literally had the list of offensive linemen in front of you and I said, I'm gonna give you a hypothetical, KT, that all these guys get hurt. And literally, this is where this is where Connor Williams is at, at, at the tackle. Uh, below Tyron Smith, obviously. Below Lyle Collins. Be- below Cam Irving. Below Zach Martin. They've already kicked Zach Martin out to there. Below Terrence Steele. Below Brandon Knight. Like, they clearly do not want him playing tackle. He's a guard. I mean, on, on this team with this coach, he's clearly a guard because there's been more than enough opportunities to play him at tackle. You know, it's... They, they. I mean, Lyle's gone for the year. They, they're gonna need help at right tackle. I mean, Brandon Knight maybe could get him, get him through it. But Terrence, they cannot run Terrence Steele out there again. That can't happen. No, you're gonna be limited on offense because you're gonna have to have running backs and tight ends chipping on that side. Like you're just not gonna be. I mean, Brandon Knight is fine, but even and and again, hey, they're not gonna have. They're not going against Miles Garrett every week. You know, I mean, they're they're not gonna be going against yeah. somebody of his level very often. But you're gonna be going against good pass rushers. Uh, you, you know, you need somebody to that can at least hold up over there. And if you don't, you need you need to help that player out. Is there a big difference they, uh, between Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele? I, I think Brandon Knight, me personally, just because of what I saw when he filled in last year, I thought for sure he would be their first, you know, out of those backup type tight end. I mean, t- offensive tackles they go to. Um, but for some reason, this staff really likes Terrence Steele. Maybe it's because they are the ones that signed him as an undrafted uh, rookie free agent, but I I feel like after seeing what happened Sunday, I think they too now are on board that they think Brandon Knight's better a better option than Terrence Steele right now. Now maybe long term they look at Steele as a better tackle, and maybe Knight as a guy that could move inside. Um, but as of right now, and for what I think for the rest of the season, I, I think they're going with Brandon Knight. With all the issues on defense, why didn't they give Brandon Card a couple plays? Because they released him this week. Was that was that about getting someone off the uh, getting someone off the IR? But why didn't Brandon Carr get more of a chance to play, or had they evaluated that he can't play? Yeah, I ha- I have a lot of questions about that because uh, you'd think that a guy that he's come from several different systems, several different teams, veteran, he's produced, started every game, every guy he's they been. knew. Yeah, guy they knew. Yeah, I just uh, that's very odd that you would make that move unless there was maybe behind the scenes Brandon wanted out or the coaches and him weren't getting along or something. I just, it's, it's a position that needs a lot of help. So you would think that he's somebody that at the very least could be a good leader and keep these guys on the same page. And, and, and for that to happen, I don't buy that. You know, Mike McCarthy said, it was like, Hey, you know, uh, we're getting Anthony Brown back and we're, we're trying to work in some of these younger guys. Yeah, I get that. And I'm not saying that, that Brandon Carr should be playing over Anthony Brown or, you know, you know, Cheeto when he comes back or Jordan Lewis or, or, or Trayvon Diggs. But 
I find it hard to believe that he's not better than what's on the roster. It kind of, in a way, makes me think of the Ha Ha Clinton Dix move, where it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know how, I don't know that he's, is he really worse than what's on the roster? I mean, these are just some really bad positions. So it makes me wonder if like these proven veterans kind of didn't buy in or didn't really feel like this is really heading in the right direction. We're kind of like, yeah, I'm good. It must be that. Buy-in. Yeah, it must be buy-in. It must be that these guys came in here and just didn't at all dig what they saw and just didn't dig the scene here in any way. Maybe maybe Brandon Carr made it clear he didn't want to be around unless he was starting or playing significant snaps. <laughs> or you <know>? maybe <laughs> he was like, uh, oh, God, get of COVID, me out of here. Uh, who, this thing God sucks. knows what else, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. The only reason I don't think it's that is because he he has a place around here. It's not like he, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm going on my way. I live in Seattle, but I'm going to move to DFW just for this season. Like he already is living around here, so that's why I don't know that that doesn't work for yeah. me either. And then even the whole like he wanted to start. Well, this is already week four, and you weren't starting. And then all of a sudden, this move happens after. I don't know. Like I might be forgetting about a game or two, but this is one of the worst games I've seen them play in a decade. So I don't know. It just you start lining some things up and it just doesn't, it doesn't smell right. I, I could see though, just in general, the buy-in. And again, we've talked about Jalen Smith's comments about it. I could see buy-in and we had the, the two point stance thing with Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence talking about that. I could see buy-in being a big, big issue and tough to adjust for some of the veterans around here because they're coming off 10 years of what I would consider a, a kind of a cushy environment with Jason Garrett. A player-friendly environment with Jason Garrett, for it's, sure. It, it, real quick, it's very player-friendly still right now. There's nobody getting loud with anybody, at least from what everything I've seen up to this point through training camp and the practices, even through today's practice. Like, Don't get the impression that, yep, they were sick of what they saw on Sunday. It got crazy out there. In pra- now, it's the exact same practice we've seen. All, I mean, it's, it's, it's very player-friendly, and I understand to a certain extent. I mean, I've heard the opposite. I've heard the situations the coach has taken over and trying to be hard-ass from day one and the players being like, Shut up. We're not. No, we're not doing yeah. that. I mean, I mean, there's some great stories of some really good veteran players on the Dolphins basically telling Nick Saban to shove it early on in his whole like, I'm going to be a hard ass with you when it they're like, yeah, Nicky, uh, this ain't how it runs up on here. And he doesn't have the same pull that he did in college, you know, and uh, I find it interesting that he's never returned back to the NFL when clearly teams would be interested in, in him. I think he's very, that, that little experience he had in Miami was enough for him. It's, I understand that Bill Belichick is the goat, but to try and just think that you're going to do everything that he does, mm, few and far between can pull it off like Bill's pulling it off. Jimmy's not walking through that door, KT. There you yeah. go. There's another one, right? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, then let's all pay attention to when McCarthy snaps because he chewed ass in Green Bay. I'm looking forward for. to that so much. I can't wait for that to happen. I want to see that so bad. It, it wasn't at all what he was known for, but it happened. Like I mean, what, give me an example. Uh, so there was a, uh, a cornerback uh, just called up and uh, he gets a uh, personal foul uh, penalty. Um, uh, Ty Montgomery runs a kickback and he fumbles it, gets cut the next day. Oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. little things like that. I mean, I, I, I got to go back you know, plenty of years, but he he got into it with guys every once in a while. Not in a, again, not one of the things you would immediately know him for. But it wasn't like he was like he was an animated guy when he was calling plays. In fact, me watching as a as a fan of that team would get frustrated at, because he was the play caller. 
And you've got Aaron Rodgers in the huddle with eight seconds left going like, Mike, call the play. And you can't. They've already shut off his headset. Like that would happen yeah. a lot because, because he's arguing with the ref and he's a very animated guy. He has seemed to be very laid back. You just don't see much. And maybe it's COVID and, and we're all wearing masks and all that. And maybe he's just kind of getting the, getting a feel for the lay of the land. But it ain't like he was... You know, some no. guy who who didn't I, get into it. I always thought he was a heart attack waiting to happen on the sidelines over there. But you know, yeah. here yeah. that hasn't been. He's been very stoic. I mean, things go bad out there, and you would never know it by watching him. I've been and, surprised. And, and I've been thing. surprised by that. The, the other thing too is I know that there's fans that have mentioned this and. Um, Mike McCarthy's even been asked about this is the idea of, all right, so now do you go and spend some more time over with the defensive coaches and that? And I'm just kind of like, why would that happen? Like Mike McCarthy doesn't know more about defense than Mike Nolan. Like if you had a young coach, like you brought in this young, like a college defensive coordinator and you're like, let me use my experience. You know, this is the NFL is a little bit different in these areas. Maybe I'm gonna help out a little more, but like, he, why would he do that when, when Mike Nolan has got more experience coaching defenses? He's not going to go in there and, and all of a sudden start stepping on, on his toes. This is the guy he wanted and handpicked to be his DC, like a guy that has got, unlike his OC, who's, you know, is, is somewhat inexperienced. He's not going to sit there and, and, and tell Mike Nolan and Jim Tom Sula, hey, guys, guys, what are we doing over here? Like, that's, that makes no sense to me. And, just and, and few, he has said that that's not what he's doing. And just a few years ago, Mike Nolan was like the, a defensive wonderkin in this league, you know? He was a well-thought-of coordinator, a highly motivated young self-starter on the way up, and and it seemed like head coaching glory was almost a given for him. Now, he kind of got a gig, and it didn't work out, and now here he is, and and here we are. Well, you know, who, who had some success and it kind of fell off and, and out of the job was Dom Capers in Green Bay, who was the D.C., who ran the same type of scheme, a 3-4, but we're going to mix it up. We're going to have a bunch of blitzes and, you know, that type of thing. And, like, I, I saw some, like, some some national analysts that were kind of talking about, well, the Cowboys need to simplify things, go to, like, a one-call defense. And McCarthy was like, that's not the way. Going to a one-call defense, we're not going to do this. We're sticking with it. I, I truly think buy-in to the new scheme is a big part of the problem. Uh, but I think a bigger part of the problem is the amount of talent you have on that team. I think that's it. And I think I might have underestimated it. Tristan Hill is maybe a good backup defensive tackle. Well, he's starting for you. Everson Griffin is not what he was in Minnesota. He's not that right now. Maybe that keep, shows up. Keep, keep going. There's another player that you need to address. I'm uh, well, you Don, tank? Don Terry Poe. Well, Don Terry Poe, yeah, he's a what first first down guy, and then go stand on the sideline. I but mean, they don't you even brought him in I, I, to do something against yeah. the run, and the first time you're really challenged in the run, it's a historic day. Like that's not a good sign on a day that Neville Gallimore, your your third round pick DT, is not even active. I mean, yeah, D tackle is oof, doesn't look good there. I don't know how D tackle all of a sudden gets better. <laughs> Maybe should have kept Malik Collins. Nah, I probably don't want to pay him either, though. Ugh. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So you guys think they're going to beat the Giants this week? Oh. No one's got a quick I was going to let Mike have it. Interesting. All right. I'm going to bite down... (laughs) Swallow hard and say yes. But only, only, only because it's the New York football giants and only because they're the most blessed team in professional sports that they play in a division like this. They got lucky. Well, really, really every team in this division is lucky to be in this division. Uh, as the Washington football team is already like benching their first round pick Dwayne Haskins and going with Kyle Allen, it's like this is everyone's just kind of like, hey, what what can we do to try to get this thing right? I, I, uh, I don't. I, I'm gonna go. Ca- go ahead. I, I'm gonna go Cowboys 34 to 24 again because I'm stubborn and I just I can't see them losing to a Giants team that has 47 points in four games. They're averaging 12 points a game. You thought the Jets were bad? The Giants are averaging four points less a game than the Jets. Um, I, I have a real hard time picking the Giants to win this game, even despite seeing what I saw with the Cowboys. So, uh, But I, I tell you what, man. A, it's the most excited I've been for a Cowboys-Giants game in a long time because it, it's gotten boring to me over the years just because it's like usually always the week one matchup. It's just you, know, you get tired of playing your teams in your division. But B... Like the whole the whole thing here with like Jason Garrett. Do you feel you guys feel like Joe Judge is like, hey man, I'm the coach, guys. You very high. He's like it's like when the sidekick is more popular, and uh, you know he's like more popular with the women. It's like if Robin 
was going to like go get get all the women. Like Joe Judge is the head coach, and like no one's talking about him. You know, he's like, oh, everyone's let's talk about Jason Garrett a little bit. We got him, and he's like, he sucks. He's we have forty seven points in four games, and you're talking about him. I'm the head coach. Yeah, I think he knew. I mean. I mean, I think that just here in Dallas, I don't think that most most teams are or most other markets are looking at the Giants as Jason Garrett's team. But here, I mean, the guy was a head coach for a decade. Uh, there's a lot of people that thought he should have been fired a long time before he did and uh, thought the only reason he kept his job is because he was good friends with the, with the owner. So there's I mean, that's just a natural storyline there. Um, I'm picking the Cowboys just because. I don't. I don't see how without Saquon Barkley that Giants offense can can do enough, even as bad as this Cowboys defense has been. Um, and I do expect Jason Garrett to pull out some trick plays. I do expect uh, if I was to talk to a Giants writer after the game's over on Sunday that they would say, "Yeah, we saw some stuff in this game we haven't seen all season or in training." I'm, I pull. I'm expecting to pull some stuff out. Maybe Daniel Jones runs a little bit more than. Uh, he normally does. Maybe they just do some other things. I just don't think across the board that uh, offense is good enough to put up the, I don't know, 35 points it's going to take to win because I do think the Cowboys offense will still put up their 35-40 against this Giants defense. I really do. Um, you know, the only, my only issue on the offense is just them taking care of the football, and, and you'd think that that would be cleaned up now by by week five. So if that isn't, then, of course, yeah, the Giants have a chance. I mean, Heck, if they if they lose, I can give you kind of what the blueprint will look like. It'll probably look a lot like that Jets game last year. That's what I like, to say. Yeah, every every five minutes you're just kind of looking around, going, "Why are they still in this game? Hmm, this is weird." And five minutes later, why do they have the lead now? And then you're, just, I mean, because like that team is such a dumpster fire. The Jets are, and and it's the same personnel they still have now that you're just they're pretty much going to take a blowtorch to that whole entire team. And so, and that team looked really good against the Cowboys that night. Um, and so. Because of that, I just don't. I don't know. I can't see. I, I just don't see the Cowboys losing this game. If they do, then uh, it's going to be wild. To even I, I'm. I don't know. I don't even know what I would say about it. If, if this is this would be the new rock bottom, like I said earlier. So I'll go uh, Cowboys thirty five, uh, Giants twenty four. Oh wow, John, you're close to my prediction. I agree with you in the fact that I think Jason Garrett's going to pull out all the stops. I don't think there's been a game in his career. That he wants to win more than this game, and so well, outside of the playoffs, I'm outside sure of the playoffs, playoffs but up to yeah. this, I mean, right now, I, I would, I would, in his mind, this is the biggest. I mean, he'll probably say, "Oh, every game's the biggest game," but no, this is up to this point probably the biggest game he he's ever called plays on uh, plays for, and so I, I expect some some trickery. But I agree with you; they just don't have the weapons. I don't expect this Giants offense to even break twenty points. Um even as bad as this Cowboys defense has been. I'm going Cowboys 35, Giants 20. That's good because yeah. Kent's 4-0 and on the year in picks, and he's leading. I, I'll hey, say KT, this. KT, real quick, I yeah. want to throw this at you. Just because this won't make sense bringing up later in the year because right now it's fresh. But with Bill O'Brien getting fired, I was thinking – Bill O'Brien might be the reason that C.D. Lamb is with the Cowboys, and I say that because they offered crazy amount of money to Randall Cobb that I didn't see any other team doing. And if they don't offer that money to him, why wouldn't Randall Cobb re-sign with the team that he was playing on for the head coach that he played for in Green Bay? And if he re-signs with the Cowboys, there's no way they're taking C.D. I just don't. I don't think that they take C.D. Lamb if they come back and they already have Randall yeah. Cobb, Michael Gallup, you Amari sure Cooper. about that? Yeah. <laughs> think, about, think about who does the drafting. That's true. Think That's about true. what he likes. 
Can you imagine? Think about this player that was just sitting there that they thought there was no way he would be. And glory be, there he Uh, is. And look at what he brings. There is no way Jerry walks away from him. None. (laughs) Maybe. You know, he well, probably it's probably better that he that they didn't because, like I said, I really do think he's going to be a great player. For I do too. Time. I do too. But I mean, you look at this defense. I mean, it was a luxury. There's pick. nobody they would have drafted there that would help this defense right yeah, now. Jason yeah, couldn't have helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah right now right. I'm talking like maybe three years, three four years from now. But I'm saying like this season, I just don't see anybody. No one guy can't fix there. this defense. So let's no. add <laughs> another flashy piece to the offense. I like it. That is the, that, that's the cowboy mentality, and that's what they did. Yeah. And look how it's working out for him. That yeah, guy's right. great. Yep. And if you don't get him, he's probably a Philadelphia Eagle right now, too. You keep yeah. that in mind. And I'll say this. I can't believe – John, you're right, though, because I, I, I didn't think it was weird that Randall Cobb was like at the Mike McCarthy introductory press conference. Yeah. That was a little pre-COVID. It's like Cobb's still there without a deal. He's just there supporting his guy. Oh, and he is a no, McCarthy I, fan. Not only that, but man, I was told that for like that entire time, you know, pre-COVID. So we're talking uh, January, February, March, uh, right up until free agency started. He was Randall Cobb was a guy that was in the facility every day, and then free agency happened, and Houston offered him a huge amount of money. And he was probably <laughs> right. <laughs> told his wife, "Hey, we're moving south. <laughs> I mean, the little can't pass this up." The little Brad panics. Oh, 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 crap! We don't have any wide receivers now. Uh, all right, well, uh, I'm prepared to change the way I uh, talk about this team moving forward if they lose to the Giants. It will no longer be, well, you should have won that game. There will be no game that they should have ever won if they go lose to the Giants. I mean, the Giants are complete trash. So, How possible is it? I think it, you know, Mike, I was I, I had that Giant, that Jets game from last year in my head that John mentioned. I mean, I, 40%, 35%. 30%. Wow, that's high. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know what? You know what would be really about bad? Right. It, I understand that if they lose, everyone will be the the storyline will be all about Jason Garrett. But the thing I'll be focused on is that it'll be back to back weeks that they would have lost to teams with brand new coaching staffs. So you can throw out that whole, well, our coaching staff didn't have the regular offseason. Our coaching staff didn't have preseason games, you know, whatever. Well, Kevin Stefanski didn't have that. Joe Judge didn't have that. And if you lose back-to-back weeks to two teams, and it's, I mean, you you can throw that argument out. I know we're trying to get out of here, but, like, does, doesn't it seem like there's a lot of chaos, too, though, just in general? Like, a lot of, like, oh, we're, we squib-kicked it there? That, that happened? Why? It feels like there's a lot of chaos Man, I, I don't know what like you didn't see that with the Browns. Like they kind of they had their their ducks in a row with the new coach. I haven't seen the Panthers play, but the Panthers stuck it to the Cardinals the other day, and I just watched a little bit of that game. It's like I'm not seeing any chaos. I'm not seeing like dude, it feels like chaos at all times, and I'm not well, saying you- that because we talk about the Cowboys and and I'm kind of looking for it. Like this feels like you know they don't have everything together. No, you're right. And, and and as you guys mentioned earlier, you know, I think it has a lot to do. Mike McCarthy came in and it wasn't like he was taking over this whole like, yeah, it's going to take us at least two or three years to turn the roster around and build this thing back up. Like he was taking over a roster that was looked at to severely underachieve the previous season. So I think he was looking to come in and just be like, hey, I don't need to make a lot of tweaks. I mean, I'm keeping Kellen Moore. Let's try and keep this thing. We're going to the defense needs a lot of help. So we're going to change up some things there, but let's not, we're not going to get too crazy with this. Let's kind of, and now he's looking down the idea of like, well, I might have to really change some things up because maybe I was too laid back with this group than I should have been. 
Man. All right. Well, it's Sunday, 325. Um, Cowboys, Giants. Will we be, uh, we'll be on Sunday Oh, hey, tonight. one more thing. I think okay. Romo's calling this game. So it'll be interesting Ooh. to hear what Romo, like, is he going to be able to, is he going to be real critical of them or is he going to kind of, I mean, especially if they're losing? I mean. I wait, hope he goes scorched earth. You're telling me that we got a perfectly apt Colts and Browns game in the 325 slot on CBS, the AFC channel, and they're going to do Cowboys and Giants, a combined record of one and seven. It's, I a, believe it's the Romo is, factor, man. It's, it's Garrett, Garrett on offense, Cowboys, his old team. I bet you they worked that one out straight with the NFL, and they said before the season started, they said we want Romo calling – Garrett's first game back in Dallas, wherever or whenever that might be. Makes if sense. We'll see it how will be such a happening. This this will be fun because he Witten actually kind of opened up a little bit about on Monday Night Football that one that first game and was like kind of talked a little bit about the scheme. But I I think Romo would be more honest about it. I don't think Romo and Garrett are on the most excellent of terms. I could be wrong. But I don't think yeah. they're like best buds anymore going to SMU basketball games. I don't think that's happening anymore since uh going to hang out with Coach K. Twenty sixteen. But Mike, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Everyone needs to check out the Square One with Mike Reiner podcast on the Athletic. It's right there for you. It's awesome. Coming out once a week. So thank well, you so thank much. Thank you boys Mike. for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to hang out with Mike. Father John Mashoda in the house. Thank you for answering all our Cowboys questions, John. We're trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this thing. <laughs> hey, I try to do my best. Sorry. I know, I know I threw in too many curveballs there at the end that we didn't need to get into Randall Cobb and Tony Romo, but sorry. There's That's no why you're here. Sir. That's what we need from you. <laughs> we need that content. Uh, and also, producer Kent Garrison. Thank you so much, Kent. Kent 4-0 in the picks this year Real. in first place. Let's, uh, um, let's hope I'm um, wrong. I mean, let's hope I'm right this week because, yeah, if I'm 1-4 uh, this, after this week, we got problems. Bigger if than you're me. Wrong, <laughs> if you're wrong, Sunday night's podcast is going to be uh, released to a burning town. Um, <laughs> all right. Here we go. Uh, everyone have a great weekend. Take care of each other, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys.